Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Greg Jarrett, filling in for Sean Hannity. I'm a Fox News legal analyst, often on Sean's television show and and this radio show. But Sean deserves a day off because, after all, it's Super Bowl weekend, and he's as sick as you and I are of this impeachment nonsense, a charade, a farce. And, you know, it continues today, even though it's over, really. I mean, they don't have the votes to call new witnesses. Uh, we learned that last night when Lamar Alexander and Lisa Murkowski announced, hey, we've heard enough. Let's get on with it. Let's vote. But Chucky Schumer, of course, will have none of it. So Chucky, and you know how I mean that in the most endearing way possible, Chucky wants to draw it out. So he's going to make all sorts of silly arguments about how it's an unfair trial without witnesses and so on and so forth. And what Chucky doesn't realize is there have already been a dozen witnesses Uh, Their videotaped testimony was introduced and accepted as evidence and played for the jurors, the senators, and they've heard enough. And, yeah, John Bolton ain't going to change anything because his story is the same, you know, nonsense that many of the speculation hearsay witnesses have stated. Uh, And, you know, the senators know this and they're sick of it, too. And they want to, you know, watch the Super Bowl but Chucky's going to draw it out probably into next week. And nobody's paying attention, frankly. Um, you know, yeah, it's on newsroom television sets. But across America, I think most Americans may have tuned in initially, realized it was all a charade, that these articles of impeachment uh, don't rise to the constitutional level. And so they've moved on to other things. They're now watching reruns of Laverne and Shirley, which is far more valuable than this impeachment nonsense. Um, Our telephone number, by the way, I do want to hear from you, is 800-941-7326. 800-941-7326. Give us a call. And by the way, I hope you picked up my new book entitled Witch Hunt. The story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history, because it tells the story, not just of the phony Russia hoax, but how Democrats, including Pelosi and Shifty Schiff and Nadler and the whole gang, our gang, um, have been out to impeach President Trump to get rid of him, to remove him from office by hook or by crook since the day he was elected. And it's in, in the new book. So please pick up Witch Hunt in bookstores nationwide. But this whole scheme to impeach President Trump was doomed from the outset because the imperious and clueless Nancy Pelosi um, screwed up big time. All the time that I mean, that's what she does. And she has only herself to blame. Pelosi's mistakes are so innumerable. She could actually write a multi-volume set entitled, let's call it um, the book of mistakes, lessons in political self-immolation. Pelosi is so many things. She is supercilious. She is arrogant. She is condescending. She has allowed her hatred of Trump to obscure any sense of judgment. Her haughty attitude 
on display, don't you know, during endless news conferences. But behind the scenes, of course, she manipulated and maneuvered this impeachment process, defying the Constitution, obliterating due process, and sowing the seeds of her own self-destruction and that of her party. And, and ladies and gentlemen, trust me on this, it will be Pelosi's legacy. She richly deserves the condemnation that history will inevitably render. Because remember, it was Pelosi who vowed she would never seek to impeach the president unless there was bipartisan support. Those are her words. And then, of course, she rejected her own advice and broke her own promise. And then she commandeered the process by launching all on her own an impeachment inquiry without a vote of the House. The self-anointed Queen Nancy who is the grand poobah of the House of Representatives, she was in charge. Her brainless minions would have to follow suit. She didn't even bother to read the transcript of the critical conversation between Trump and Ukraine's President Zelensky before she announced the impeachment process. She didn't care what it said during the call, that there was no quid pro quo, no pressure, no demand, no threat. She was bound and determined to impeach Donald Trump regardless of the facts, regardless of the evidence. I mean, you can almost hear her, can't you, grumbling, oh, facts, those are for the little people. The Constitution, throw it in the shredder. Pelosi then sanctioned the super-secret hearings in the skiff that's hidden in the Capitol sub-basement level three And she excluded three-quarters of the House of Representatives. Witnesses were threatened with prosecution if they didn't show up, told they couldn't have lawyers present. Republicans were cut off in their cross-examination, prevented from calling their own witnesses. The president's counsel was barred. Pelosi annihilated the fundamental principle of due process, which, by the way, the Supreme Court has repeatedly said applies to congressional hearings. Now, eventually, under relentless pressure, Queen Nancy uh, consented to open up the proceedings to the public, but that was just a charade because, again, Republicans forbidden from calling their own witnesses, presenting their own evidence. It was a farce. And the entire process unfolded in a matter of weeks. Impeachment on amphetamines. Trump declared Pelosi, was a national security threat. He's trying to cheat in the next election. National security is at stake. Democracy is at risk. We must dispense with any sense of fairness. We must rush to judgment with a vote to impeach. Don't think about it. Just do it, she ordered. And of course, all the witless sycophants that are Democrats in the House followed their leader, like lemmings jumping off the political cliff. And once the rush to impeachment was completed, Pelosi then sat on the articles of impeachment for a month as she tried to extort Mitch McConnell and the Senate into allowing her to dictate how the trial should be conducted. Never mind that it was none of her darn business or that she had no constitutional authority over the Senate trial. So much for Pelosi's so-called urgency. You and I know 
it was just a lie. Speaking of liars, Pelosi's greatest act of stupidity, and there are so many to choose from, was appointing the master of all liars, Adam Schiff, as the face of impeachment. This guy has a Ph.D. in lies, deceptions, misrepresentations, all manner of reprehensible canards. Shifty Schiff, as Sean likes to call him, is the professor emeritus of deceit and dishonesty. So, picking the mendacious Schiff as the House manager to present the case to the U.S. Senate was an enormous blunder. And the biggest gift that has ever been bestowed on Donald Trump. I mean, think about it. Schiff is the face of impeachment. I mean, it's Christmas on steroids, folks. Schiff's track record of fabrications, distortions, lies is well known among the senators. The moment the guy opens his mouth to argue the case, he lost He has no credibility. Nobody believed anything he was saying. He twisted the facts. He contorted the meaning of the impeachment clause. But most of all, he just made stuff up. There's a great column that you should read on the website of Real Clear Politics. It's entitled, and this is a propitious title, if ever there was one, Lies, Damn Lies, and Adam Schiff's Moving Lips. (laughs) You got to love it. And it's so true. I invite you to read it. The author is Frank Millet, who compares Adam Schiff to a Shakespearean character who, quote, is only comfortable in his own skin when he's making the skin of others crawl. That is a brilliant description of Adam Schiff, because throughout the trial, Schiff offered his own opinion and speculation masquerading as facts. He exaggerated and misrepresented. At one point, he just invented things out of whole cloth. I mean, you would need a calculator to keep track of all the lies and deceptions. There isn't a scintilla of decency or conscience in the malevolent Adam Schiff. And the senators know that. They know his long record of falsehoods. They know that whatever emanates from his mouth is fiction. He's a wannabe dime novelist bereft of talent, utterly untrustworthy. And Schiff was the face of impeachment. Along with his sidekick, Jerry Nadler, they became the Laurel and Hardy of the impeachment trial. They're the only ones who took themselves seriously. Unbelievable. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, we're going to be talking a lot more throughout the day about uh, impeachment. Well, he will not be acquitted. You cannot be acquitted if you don't have a trial. And you don't have a trial if you don't have witnesses and documents. All right, there you go. Nancy Pelosi. Um, You cannot be acquitted if you don't have a trial. You don't have a trial if you don't have witnesses and documentation. Nan, did you watch the Senate trial? Nan? talking to you. Videotape testimony, Nan, of a dozen House witnesses was introduced as evidence, accepted into evidence by vote, in addition to thousands of pages of documentary evidence. Nan, can you hear me? Anybody in there? Hello, McFly. So look, you know, I realize Nancy Pelosi is not a lawyer, 
But that was just a dopey thing to say because I'm a lawyer and I've tried cases without witnesses. You stipulate to a set of facts with the other side uh, and you introduce physical evidence, documentary evidence. There are opening statements and closing arguments. And then it goes to the judge or jury, whichever you have. And that's a trial, Nan. So Nancy Pelosi is out there. And what's insane are all of the other idiots who then mimicked what she said. Uh, You know, Chris Murphy, the senator in Connecticut where I live, who every time he opens his mouth, he tends to embarrass himself. He mimicked the same thing. Oh, no witnesses, not a real trial, therefore not an acquittal. Uh, You heard Kamala Harris, who was a district attorney, a city attorney, a state attorney general, who then mimicked the lie that, oh, it's not a real trial if you don't have witnesses. These people know better. So what are they doing? They're they're just deceiving you for political reasons. And, you know, it is one of the most outrageous of the many outrageous statements that have been made during the two weeks of this impeachment nightmare with two articles of impeachment. The first one is abuse of power which states no crime, no violation of law. It's nowhere in the Constitution. It is this wonderfully amorphous phrase that can mean anything you want it to mean. It is not an impeachable offense by definition. The second one should have been dismissed at the outset. It's more ridiculous. Obstruction of Congress because the president invoked his legal right to challenge under immunity and executive privilege the same rights that every other president has invoked. But when Donald Trump does it, oh, it's an article of impeachment. He should be removed from office. That one should have been subject to an immediate motion to dismiss. So here we are, and they're going to run out the clock as long as they can throughout the weekend with trying to delay, you know, Chucky Schumer has made it clear that he is going to undertake every single parliamentary maneuver to delay this. He wants to embarrass the president by having it still going on when the State of the Union address is delivered before Congress on Tuesday. You don't really want to do it on Monday. The Iowa caucuses, you got the Super Bowl on Sunday. So Chucky wants to drag it out. Call his office and complain. I invite you to do this. I'm Greg Jarrett, filling in for Sean Hannity. We're going to be right back, and our guest will be Senator Rand Paul to talk about the faux whistleblower. And welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Greg Jarrett, filling in for Sean today. I'm a Fox News legal analyst, author of the new book, Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. Check out my website, thegregjarrett.com. My Twitter handle is Greg Jarrett, uh, at Greg Jarrett. And it, by the way, Greg, with a total of three Gs, two at the end, one at the front end. Uh, and also, check out my podcast. 
Uh, it's entitled uh, The Impeachment Witch Hunt, and you can find it uh, on foxnewspodcasts.com. That's podcasts, plural, foxnewspodcasts.com. We're up to 10 episodes. We started in the beginning, and the latest one was a summary that occurred yesterday. Joining us now, we're very pleased to have Congressman Lee Zeldin of New York, one of the House Republicans, currently a part of the congressional advisory team for President Trump. Uh, Congressman Zeldin, thanks very much for being with us. Of course. It's great to be with you, Greg. You know, I, I would love, because you're a lawyer, uh, you served in the military, uh, you're currently a lieutenant colonel, but you were in the Judge Advocate uh, General Corps as a prosecutor and a military magistrate. So I, I want your legal reaction to something I find utterly ludicrous, which is Nancy Pelosi's claim that without new witnesses, it's not a trial, it's not an acquittal. Here's what she said, followed by three others uh, who mimicked the same thing. Take a listen. You cannot be acquitted if you don't have a trial. And you don't have a trial if you don't have witnesses and documentation and, and that. So we're going to have a trial with no witnesses. We're going to have a trial with no deliberations. That isn't a trial. And I think uh, Speaker Pelosi is right. Then this can't be a real acquittal. If there are no witnesses, no documents in this trial, there will be a permanent asterisk next to the acquittal of President Trump written in permanent ink. This will not have been a fair trial, and therefore they cannot walk out of this building and allege and assert that there has been a true acquittal. There will be no true acquittal if there is not a fair trial. So that uh, the last three were Senators Chris Murphy, uh, Chuck Schumer, and Kamala Harris. So, Congressman Zeldin, what's your reaction to that? There have been 17 witnesses, 18 if you include... I.G. Atkinson, and the president called a grand total of zero of those witnesses. Not only was the president's counsel unable to call any of those witnesses, the president's counsel wasn't even allowed in the room to hear, let alone being able to cross-examine any of those witnesses. All 17 of the people we heard from, plus Atkinson, if you want to make it 18, uh, were all called by Adam Schiff. And so it's actually worse than their argument that there's been zero witnesses when, in fact, there have been all these other witnesses and they've only been called by Adam Schiff. Now, their last words in the House floor before sending the impeachment articles over to the Senate was a declaration that their evidence was overwhelming, uncontested, indisputable, and proof beyond a doubt. They showed up for the first day of trial. They spent 11 hours going point by point by point of all the things that they need in order to prove their case. Literally the next day, day two of the trial, they then said once again their evidence was overwhelming, uncontested, indisputable, and proof beyond a doubt until you got into the questions. And the very first question right out of the gate, if I remember correctly, Adam Schiff said was asked whether or not they can prove their case with the evidence before them, and he said no. So the, the, the contradictory positions that they have uh, you know, with regards to their evidence in total is one thing. But their assessment of whether or not there's been witnesses, a whole other, it, the count, in, in my view, is 17 to 0 or 18 to 0, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, you know, in the I covered the Bill Clinton impeachment case back in 1999. There were no actual live witnesses. Um, they deposed three individuals. Video clips were selectively played. 
and that was the extent of it. Here, of course, uh, the, the senators have sat there and watched the videotape testimony of more than a dozen witnesses accepted into evidence, not to mention thousands of pages of documents introduced and accepted into evidence to to suggest that this somehow isn't a legitimate trial is, is just, I mean, it's dumb, isn't it? I, and I think it's very telling of just how weak their case is, because if for a moment we wanted to play along with their position that there has been zero witnesses, how telling is it to you that their first witness in their position, their first witness isn't anyone who they have spoken to already, who they have relied on as their star witnesses. They're not saying that they want their witness number one to be Fiona Hill or Gordon Sondland or Lieutenant Colonel Vinman or Bill Taylor. They're saying that they would want their first witness, their second witness, their third witness, their fourth witness to be people who they have absolutely no idea what that person's going to say. That's a pretty clear sign of just how weak their case is truly if their position was that there's been no witnesses and they're not asking for anyone that we've heard from. You know, the the amazing part of it is is most of these witnesses that the Democrats called would never be allowed to testify in a court of law. You know this as a lawyer. Uh, I'll give you an, a, a perfect example. Uh, George Kent said, well, I believed there was a quid pro quo because I heard it from Bill Taylor, who heard it from Tim Morrison, who heard it from Ambassador Gordon Sondland, who testified that he presumed it. At one point, he said it was just a guess. That is quadruple hearsay that would be inadmissible times four in a court of law. And that's the kind of witness testimony that Adam Schiff has presented. That's right. And when George Kent was giving his testimony in front of the public hearing, he was sitting next to Bill Taylor. (laughs) <laughs> and this all started when, when Bill Taylor gave his deposition, the leaked uh, opening statement that came out, if I remember it was on page 12, where he goes through this scenario where he says he was, t- as you just laid it out, told by Morrison, Sondland tells Morrison, Sondland says that he overheard you know, it from someone else, and it, this would not be admissible in a court. And then the other thing that, that's uh, really frustrating to listen to, I remember and I'll just give you one of what could be a thousand examples, Jason Crow saying, OMB's Mark Sandy asked why there was a hold on aid, and he never got an answer. Now, if you're a senator who hasn't been following every last detail of the case, maybe you haven't read uh, every transcript uh, that's out there, you might think that they're being honest with you. But in fact, OMB's Mark Sandy did get an answer, and the answer that he testified to in his depositions, his deposition was that, the president was concerned about other countries paying their fair share, that the president was concerned about burden sharing. Uh, So not only are they utilizing all of this uh, witness testimony presented before the Senate with the president's counsel having had no opportunity to cross-examine any of them, the way that they're spinning what they're showing is leaving out, again, I could give you a thousand examples like that, material facts to complete these thoughts to make them accurate. You know, the the big battle is over calling John Bolton. Uh, Democrats are going to lose it, but they're going to try to, you know, run out the clock as long as they possibly can. And it's all based on a New York Times anonymously reported story that John Bolton's upcoming book manuscript, which the New York Times, by the way, doesn't quote and hasn't seen, 
uh, recounts how President Trump, in a conversation, said he wanted, wanted to withhold military aid to Ukraine unless the nation investigated the Bidens. It, wanting to do something is completely different than doing it. Lots of presidents want to do things they never choose to do. And in the end, uh, the president released the funds without any strings attached. There was no investigation of the Bidens launched by Ukraine. Uh, so isn't this sort of impeachment by the thought police, the discussion police, that, that we're going to remove a president of the United States because he once confidentially talked with an aide, allegedly, about withholding aid in a purported quid pro quo. The president did not do anything that you can impeach him for, for doing, period. If you wanted to uh, rule in the most uh, negative fashion, uh, make the worst possible inferences across the board uh, on so much of, of what Adam Schiff and the House impeachment managers are laying out to the Senate to the American public, they are falling short of what you need to impeach this president. And the fact is we're months before an election, and while I've heard that scenario of what happens one day when you have a Republican House and a Democratic president, that's an important point. I'm also worried about the day after you remove the president of the United States when you have tens of millions of Americans in an uproar. If you think our country is divided now, imagine what would happen if the Senate voted today to remove the president from office. The Senate, that the House did not subpoena John Bolton. And when they talk about the, the months, if not years, it would take to resolve this case, uh, the, what's really important to point out is that a federal judge, as you know, Judge Leon, had an expedited schedule on the Kupperman subpoena. And in the December-January time frame, he was going to help settle this dispute between the executive branch and the legislative branch on the House impeachment subpoenas. What did Adam Schiff do? He lost interest, he withdrew the Kupperman subpoena, and he filed a motion to dismiss. They were in a rush not only to impeach the president by Christmas, but I think the other concern was that if Judge Leon ruled in favor of the president, how do you impeach the president days later for obstruction of Congress, right after a federal judge just ruled that the president is not obstructing Congress. Right. And then they sat on the impeachment articles for 33 days, so I guess it really wasn't as much of a rush. They could have decided this issue through Judge Leon. We could have been past it. Yeah. Congressman Lee Zeldin, uh, many thanks uh, for, for being with us. Uh, as, as we wrap it up here, do you think this is going to extend into mid-next week? I don't know yet. I've heard that. I, I believe that this should end right now. Uh, I don't believe that we should wait past the Iowa caucuses, that we should wait past the president's State of the Union address. Uh, I want to see this end. It's time for our country to heal, to move on, to move forward. It's right. time to put this past us. I don't see why they can't simply dispense with the witness issue with a vote sometime tonight, reconvene tomorrow, uh, and, and just have a vote. I mean, That's yes, right. I know that Adam Schiff wants his TV time to put his mug in the face, his face on television, because, it, you know, he lives for that. He and Chucky e. Schumer. And um, but, you know, the defense could simply stand up and say, well, we have nothing further to say. We we rest our case. So you give two hours to Schiff 
and and then have a vote tomorrow. Why not? That's right. Sh- shut it down. Turn the lights off at the Senate for for the weekend. Come back next week, ready to work on substantive issues to move our country forward. If Adam Schiff needs a mic, he can go find it somewhere else. He doesn't need to stand on the Senate floor to do it. It's time to acquit. All right, Congressman Lee Zeldin, many thanks for taking the time. Uh, a member of the congressional advisory team for President Trump in the impeachment trial. We're going to pause, take a quick break. I'm Greg Jarrett filling in for Sean Hannity. Our telephone number is 1 800 941 7326. 1 800 941 7326. We'll be right back. All right, I'm Greg Jarrett filling in for Sean Hannity. Today we've been talking about impeachment by any reasonable and objective standard. Hunter Biden's employment. Uh, on the board of Ukrainian Natural Gas Company, was highly suspicious. This is a kid of the vice president being paid $83,000 a month to sit on the board. He has no experience in the energy sector, no experience in Ukrainian affairs. Uh, Can anyone truly argue that the behavior of Joe and Hunter Biden was not suspicious enough to merit an investigation. I mean, Joe's on tape bragging about how he extorted Ukraine into firing the Ukrainian prosecutor investigating Hunter Biden and Burisma, the company. A uh, billion dollars of your taxpayer money. I'm not going to give it to you unless you fire the prosecutor, who just happens to be investigating my son's company and potential corruption. And Democrats' own witnesses said it posed a serious conflict of interest. Evidence produced by Republicans uh, during the Senate trial has raised the specter of self-enrichment and influence peddling. Video clips played by the media asking persistent questions about the, the Bidens and, and corruption. The president had a legitimate basis to ask Ukraine to scrutinize what happened. It was a matter of public interest. I'm Greg Jarrett. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Greg Jarrett filling in for Sean Hannity. Hope you'll pick up my new book, Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. How is it possible that a group of unelected, powerful officials in government and others worked secretly to invent a lie and spread a lie that President Trump was a Russian asset who uh, conspired with Putin in the bowels of the Kremlin to steal the 2016 election. And now we know it was all a hoax. It was a witch hunt that held this nation hostage for the better part of two and a half to three years. And now we're into the impeachment based on a different witch hunt, the Ukrainian witch hunt. And joining us now to talk a little bit about both is Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio, who's a member of the House Congressional Advisory Team and has really, I think, had enough of the attacks on President Trump. Um, Congressman, thanks for stepping out to talk with us a little bit uh, about this. Um, I'm guessing you were not surprised when we learned recently from the Department of Justice that they'd noted 
notified the FISA court that the warrants to spy on the Trump campaign were illegally obtained. Yep. What do you think? Yep. No, and, and, and look, Greg, you, you've been you've been great on this. You, you uh, a number of us have been talking about this for two years, and, and guess what? The only thing we got wrong is it was worse than we thought. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, I'm I'm looking forward to reading your second book. Your first book was great. I mean, it was it detailed you. and it, it was a, it was really great. So all those people listening, I hope you get the second one like I'm going to. The second but, book's um, better than the first book, but go ahead. No, I look forward to. It. I mean, I read all your, your first. Thank book, you. Because this was right when the the first one was right when we were starting to figure all this out and and it, and it put it all together. But think about what they did. Lied to the FISA court 17 times. Yeah. They, they, they go to the FISA court and don't tell the, 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 the FISA court that the guy who wrote the dossier, Christopher Steele, was, quote, desperate to stop Trump. He had told Bruce Orr at the Justice Department that he was desperate to stop Trump, and they don't even tell the court that. Don't tell the court that he's being paid by the court. And, and, you're, and the audience has been all through this. But that 51 factual assertions that weren't supported, weren't properly supported. And they, they were spying on four people, not two. So, yeah, and, 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 and you're exactly right. It's been one thing after the other to go after this president. I always, I always say it this way. Impeachment didn't start on July 25th with the phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky. Impeachment started July 31st, 2016, when they opened the Crossfire Hurricane yeah. investigation. That's when it started. We know it, and, and it has never stopped. And frankly, and this is the sad news, it's never, ever going to stop with these guys. You know, um, you mentioned the date that they opened the investigation on Donald Trump masquerading as a counterintelligence probe. Yep. Um, and they had no credible evidence. They had a phony yep. dossier that they hadn't yet vetted or verified. You know, in my in both my books, I go through the FBI regulations. You can't do what they did. You must have specific articulable facts, not hearsay from a foreign source based on other sources. That's Those aren't facts. You must have facts. You may be able, perhaps, to open a preliminary investigation. No, they opened a formal investigation, and then they go to a court. They lie, they deceive, they omit, they doctor evidence, and they begin a spy campaign. I mean, this is something, and I interviewed the president of the Oval Office about this for the second book. He said this is something that should never happen to another presidential candidate or another president again. Yeah, and it shouldn't happen to any American. That's about, and, and, and that last point you made when you were reading off the list of things they did, they doctored evidence. So it wasn't just that they omitted to tell the court things. It wasn't just that they misrepresented things. They actually changed an email that was one of the bases that, that they directly changed the meaning of an email, and FBI lawyer did. So that's how bad it was. And it was so bad. Think of what the FISA court said. Judge Collier, she wrote this. The frequency with – I just had to pull this out because I was, I was using this for something else, getting ready for Christopher Ray next week. The frequency with which – representations made by FBI personnel turned out to be unsupported or contradicted by information in their possession and with which they withheld information detrimental to their case calls into question whether information contained in other FBI applications is reliable. So put in plain English, you guys misrepresented so much to us. How are we to trust any other representation you've made to the court? That's how, when, when a judge says that, you know this better than anyone, Greg. When a judge says that, that tells you how bad this was. You know, uh, Carter Page has now filed uh, the first uh, genuine lawsuit uh, against the Democratic National Committee, Perkins Coie, the DNC, and the Hillary yep. Clinton campaign's uh, lawyers. They, I mean, but I read the complaint. It's 23 pages long. 
And there were others identified, though not named as defendants, and that would include Glenn Simpson, Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele. I mean, there are going to be either additional defendants or separate lawsuits against other individuals. And shouldn't there also be a lawsuit, Congressman, against uh, the FBI and in particular these rogue operators like James Comey, Andrew McKay, Peter Strzok, uh, Joe Pienka and and others who were an instrumental part of the hoax and and violating the constitutional rights of Carter Page. Yeah, there may be. We got to. We, I think, frankly, we'll, we'll wait and see what the criminal probe and the, and the investigation that that Mr. Durham is doing at the at the request of of the Attorney General. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see how that pans out. But I, I I've said this many times. But when the, the Attorney General of the United States testified right when the Mueller report was coming out last spring. He made some interesting statements in front of the Senate, Senate Finance Committee. The first statement was, he said, there's a failure of leadership at the upper echelon of the FBI. Well, that's the understatement of the year. Of course there was. He was exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Comey's been fired. McKay's been fired. Jim Baker, chief counsel, was demoted then left. Lisa Page demoted left. Peter Strzok demoted and fired. These were the people who ran the, the mid-year exam, and then, of course, which was the Clinton investigation, and then, of course, Crossfire Hurricane, which was the Trump-Russia investigation. Then he said three other things about spying, and he used the word spying, which just set the Democrats off. The fact that the attorney general would use the word spying, but it was exactly the right word. He said spying took place. He said there's a basis for my concern about spying, and third, he used the term political surveillance, and that's the scary part because my guess is hasn't probably happened too often in our nation's history where you use one party's opposition research document to go after the other party's campaign. You use it to go to a secret court and get a warrant to spy on a presidential campaign. That all happened. So I hope people are held accountable, and it seems to me the guy who is most responsible for this is Jim Comey. He's the guy who allowed it to be a headquarters special and do it the way they did. Um, he's the one who's most responsible, but we'll, we'll kind of wait and see what Mr. Durham's um, investigation you know, And speaking of Jim Comey, the most outrageous thing that, that I've found so far, um, and I recount all of his lies and deceptions yep. in my new book, Witch Hunt, but when the Inspector General report came out, we learned that the whole uh, collusion narrative that was fictitious and recited in the anti-Trump dossier that Jim Comey found out and the FBI found out the very month Trump was inaugurated, January of 2017, yep. that it was yeah. all fictive. It was all I mean, they found the subsource who fed this stuff to Chris Steele. And the guy said, are you kidding me? This is just exaggeration and made up. And some of it was said in jest and none of it, none of the allegations against Trump were true. And instead of Comey going to the FISA court and saying, we withdraw it, we apologize, no more spying. Instead of going over to the White House and telling the president, you know the dossier thing I told you about in the Trump Tower meeting? Uh, forget about it. Um, we have ended our investigation. It's over. He didn't do any of that. He accelerated it. Yeah, they doubled down. And this is what makes the statement that Chuck Schumer said uh, a few uh, when it was President-elect Trump made it so dangerous because Chuck Schumer is being interviewed on January 3rd, 2017, between Election Day and Inauguration Day. And the President Trump had said they spied on this. And, of course, all, all the mainstream press laughed and poo-pooed that and everything else. Um, and Chuck Schumer was on Rachel Maddow's show just a few uh, – uh, 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 said on the Rachel Maddow show on that January 3rd, he said, if you mess with the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. So instead of coming to the FISA court with the truth, 
Jim Comey did what Chuck Schumer said was going to happen. Now, to me, that's the scariest thing of all. And this gets to that point of what, if Emmett Flood's letter where he said, if they can do, we would all do well to remember if they can do it to a president. Imagine what they can do to you and I. So th- that's the scary part. Chuck Schumer's statement became true that very month, January of 2017. They doubled down on this when they knew it was bogus. That's the scary part. And here we are now at the end of impeachment. The president will not be removed from office. Chuck Schumer seems like he wants to engage in every parliamentary trick possible to continue to draw this thing out. Um, You know, that's what he's doing, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, they want to they want to just whatever's next. If if they would have got a witness, if the votes were there for the witness, it looks like it's not. Thank goodness. But if they got another witness, it would have been next week. They'd have wanted someone else. And then it would have been someone. I remember the witness count. The witness count is 17 to 0 in favor of the Democrats. The Republicans and the White House president, we got no witnesses. We weren't allowed to subpoena anybody. We were allowed to kind of cross-examine and ask questions in these depositions of all Adam Schiff's subpoenaed witnesses, but we weren't allowed to bring anyone in. So this idea that, that there are no witnesses, it's 17 to 0. They want to make it 18 to 0 with Mr. Bolton sometime next week. That's not going to happen. But if it did, that would never be enough. It would be 19 the following week, then 20. And they wanted because they've been after this president, like we said, since – July of 2016. Right. And, and, you know, they keep bringing it up, you know, the whole Russia collusion hoax. They keep bringing it up during this impeachment trial, which is yeah. truly amazing, yeah. as if the Mueller report, volume one, didn't conclude that there was no criminal collusion yeah. conspiracy, which, you know, they always leave that out. Richard Burr, the senator, uh, brought up how Hillary Clinton's campaign had hired you know, an ex-British spy to compose a dossier, turned out to be phony, from foreign sources. Wasn't that election interference? And and here's the response from House Manager Hakeem Jeffries. I'll get your reaction on the other side. The analogy uh, is not applicable to the present situation because, first, to the extent uh, that opposition <laughs> research was obtained, it was opposition research that was purchased. It's okay to buy foreign <laughs> interference in the election, according to Hakeem. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, it's, this is laughable, and this is why the American people uh, see through this. Uh, it is why, in spite of uh, of of you know probably what a hundred percent positive coverage from the mainstream press about the Democrats' uh, uh, case that they put on their terrible case, um, it still hasn't changed anything. And 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 the votes. In fact, think about this. I was thinking about this the other day. So on September 24th, Greg, when, when Nancy Pelosi stands up, before the transcript is public, she stands up and says, we're going to launch an impeachment inquiry. And it starts this investigation in the House. She never would have predicted then. The conventional wisdom was then that, oh, momentum was going to move their direction, and some Republicans in the House would vote for, uh, for the articles, and then there would be a tough – she never thought <clears throat> on September 24th, when the articles came up for a vote in the House, that every single Republican would vote no – one Democrat would vote with us, another Democrat would vote with us on one of the articles, a third Democrat would vote present, and a fourth Democrat would vote with us, and then switch parties. And now, they never anticipated when they went to the Senate after she held these articles that they wouldn't get additional witnesses, and they certainly didn't anticipate what I believe is going to happen, hopefully sometime soon, um, is that the bipartisan vote will be in favor of the president. Every Republican senator will vote for acquittal. 
And I bet there's one or two Democrats who vote that way, too. That was never the prediction. That shows you how ridiculous this case has been from the get-go. It has. Equally ridiculous is the Russia hoax. And I know you're going to read my new book, Witch Hunt, uh, because I think you're going to find, don't let the 1,500 footnotes discourage you, by the way. Uh, But I think you're going to find some things in there that may surprise you. But, uh, Congressman... Uh, Jim Jordan, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for all your work. Take care, Thank you. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Greg Jarrett. I must tell you it is disturbing that John Bolton, uh, President Trump's former national security advisor, would have the temerity to write a book that breaches executive privilege and to profit by it financially. A couple of days ago, I read a column in the uh, a New York Times, an opinion piece by a couple of knuckleheads who said, oh, this is censorship not to release Bolton's uh, book, the full manuscript. It's prior restraint. No, it's not. Um, a senior director at the National Security Council has sent a letter to John Bolton's attorney, and the letter warns that the manuscript submitted to the council contains, quote, significant amounts of classified information, including some at the top secret level. Now, the two knuckleheads would love to read that classified information, but I'm willing to bet they don't have security clearance to disseminate the information as is in Bolton's manuscript would be a crime, Uh, You are not allowed to disclose classified information to the general public. Under federal law, it is a felony. So these two guys need to clean out their ears with Q-tips, open their eyes, and read the felony statutes. I'm Greg Jarrett, filling in for Sean Hannity. (laughs) I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Greg Jarrett filling in for Sean today. Hope you'll uh, check out my Impeachment Witch Hunt podcast. Ten episodes so far. The latest uh, came out just yesterday. You can uh, get it at foxnewspodcasts.com. Podcasts is plural. Foxnewspodcasts.com. Um, and check out my, uh, my Twitter, uh, account. My handle is Greg.Jarrett, at Greg.Jarrett, uh, two G's at the end of Greg. Uh, and buy my new book, Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. Um, want to go to our phone lines because people have been holding and I thank you for doing so. You've been very patient and Nolan from Utah uh, joins us now. Hi, Nolan. How are you? I'm fine. Good afternoon, and enjoy your show. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, I have a question that I haven't heard discussed. What are the options after the Senate dispenses with whatever they end up, end up going to do here with this impeachment? What are the possibilities of the Trump legal team going to the federal courts and have the original impeachment in the House set aside, invalidated, on the grounds of denial of due process in the House proceedings? You know, it, it is, Nolan, an interesting question. There's no, no question in my mind that there was a violation of due process and fundamental fairness, which, as I mentioned before, the U.S. Supreme Court has said, must be applied to congressional hearings. 
uh, in the impeachment proceedings. It was not. It was deprived. So there, there is certainly a due process violation, but there's no mechanism that I'm aware of in the law that would allow for, it, for example, the, uh, the impeachment itself to be set aside or expunged in any way. And, you know, I mean, even, even if you, it would probably be rejected by the first uh, federal judge, go to the Court of Appeals if they want to appeal it to the Supreme Court, which would never touch it. I mean, they do not like to get into the middle of the battle between the legislative and executive branches. And to involve themselves in impeachment matters is something that is completely anathema to uh, to SCOTUS and, and their approach towards such matters. So, I, you know, it's an interesting question. Uh, the president's rights have been violated. But, you know. That's politics for you. Let's go to our next caller, Stanley in Alabama. Stanley, how are you? Hey, Greg, how are you? I'm well. Good. Uh, I have a thought I want to run past you. Um, It seems to me that perhaps by voting to require additional witnesses, the Democrats are, in in essence, saying we don't have enough information to convict. Therefore, later on, when they do vote to convict, aren't they just at least tacitly admitting this is a political hatchet job? Oh, they are. Absolutely they are. Um, More than two dozen times, Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler, the Laurel and Hardy, the House managers, have have stated uh, to the senators, we have overwhelming, compelling evidence. Um, And, you know, it's an absolute slam dunk, open and shut case against the president. Which invites the question, why do you need more witnesses? Because they know they're, they're just lying to the senators. It is not a clear case with overwhelming, compelling evidence. It's a weak case. In fact, in my judgment, it's, it's a joke. It's a farce, a charade, um, which is why they're asking the senators to now do what they chose not to do uh, during their rush to judgment and vote to impeach. Uh, If they thought these new witnesses like John Bolton, Mick Mulvaney and others were so vital, they should have pursued it. But they chose not to do it. And now they want the Senate to do it. Uh, On the other hand, they've also admitted that, you know, they need these witnesses, these new witnesses, uh, because they're admitting the case is weak. I mean, so they're all over the place. You can't trust them. Um, You know, and the American people are smart enough to know and they figured it out early on that, the, you know, a conversation that lasted all of 20 seconds, the relevant part about the Bidens um, in a telephone call between Presidents Trump and Zelensky <laughs> doesn't even remotely approach uh, articles of impeachment that were intended by the framers in the impeachment clause of the Constitution. It's just not. Uh, But good question. Thanks very much. Let's go to John in South Carolina. Hey, John, how are you? Greg, as one of your, as a journalist myself, I'm one of your staunchest stalwart supporters. Thank you. Of of your work. And uh, so this is not intended as a, as an attack gotcha question. So I just wanted to preface it that way. Um, In just in the last couple of interviews, you've used the, the word hoax something like six or seven times. 
And I'd like to challenge that. If I had been your book editor, I, I, I would have challenged it on the, the Russia hoax, actually. Because a, a hoax is actually something that is, uh, carries the connotation of being innocuous and a, a practical joke. And what comes to mind immediately is the balloon boy from Fort Collins, Colorado in 2009. That was a hoax and a good one. Yeah, but it was pretty darn serious. I mean, America was holding their breath thinking that a kid was all alone in a balloon, helpless, and that it was going to drop to Earth and kill him. Um, So, you know, I would disagree. I think some hoaxes are nefarious and evil, and this one certainly was. Yeah. But, you know, for instance, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of, of semantics, and we none of us, and pardon the pun here, wants to be anti-semantic semantic on anything. But, um, you, know, you know, we could say that, uh, you know, probably the next charge that might be coming up against uh, President Trump might say at dinner while uh, chewing his food, the president clearly committed public mastication. You know, that might be the next charge up against him. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, you know, bad table manners uh, is an impeachable offense under the Adam Schiff standard. Um, good point. Thanks very much, uh, John. Appreciate it. Let's go to our next caller, Dave, in my home state of California, where I lived for three decades. Hey, Dave, how are you? Well, that's good to hear, Greg. Uh, it's good to talk to you. I appreciate you and Sean. Uh, you're doing awesome work. I have a question, though, about uh, uh, this eternal impeachment uh, it seems like it's just obvious to me, listening to all the stuff that we've been listening to for so long, that it's a widespread coordinated cover-up of their own corruption. Uh, you and many other people have said that they're projecting uh, things on the Republicans that they're doing themselves, and that's why it's so coordinated, because they're all in on it. You know, I wrote a column uh, recently um, this month, uh, entitled Pelosi's Sham Trump Impeachment is an Abuse of Power for Political Gain. And I, you know, I spend quite a bit of time in that column explaining how it's not President Trump who has abused power, but by twisting the facts and contorting uh, the constitutional clause of impeachment, It is Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, and the rest of the Democrats who are abusing their power. And Article 2 of the impeachment um, is the perfect example. Presidents have routinely since George Washington invoked the principle of executive privilege. It has been widely recognized and respected. But under Adam Schiff's standard, he would have impeached uh, President George Washington who refused to hand over uh, confidential communications with John Jay uh, relative to the Treaty of Neutrality to the House of Representatives. If Adam Schiff had been a congressman uh, back then in 1794, I believe it was, he would have impeached George Washington and just about every other president of the United States who has invoked it, and almost all have. Uh, You know, so I, I, I think that... You know, they have lowered the standard, to get to your original point, to such a, a point that, that now we are going to have impeachment in perpetuity. That anything, any perceived slight, any uh, uh, real or imagined misconduct in the minds of an opposing party 
will be grounds for impeachment. And, you know, look, Maxine Waters has made it clear that after uh, the president's acquittal currently, that they're, they're going to continue to impeach him. You know, they may resurrect uh, pretty much the same articles of impeachment, but cite uh, some new evidence. Uh, you know, they will continue to do it until the very day that Trump leaves office, whenever that is, either next January or four years later. Uh, you know, they'll they'll try to impeach him. And, and in fact, they'll probably um, try to impeach him after he leaves office, if, if that is even possible. So and it's been going on. And I I recount this in my book, Witch Hunt. This has been going on uh, since Trump was elected. And, you know, the media was driving the narrative that everything the president did uh, was an impeachable offense. Uh, Law professors, Democrats, I mean, you name it. The president was sued within a day or two of taking office, uh, claiming that his pre-existing businesses were a constitutional violation of the emoluments clause and he should be removed from office and impeached. Uh, I mean, the insanity of this is relentless and it will continue in perpetuity because Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi and Jerry Nadler have now set the bar so low for impeachment that it, it will be never ending. And that is not only tragic, but dangerous for future presidents. Let's go to our next caller. Brian joins us from Florida. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, the reason why I was calling is if, if let's just say that we gave the, the Democrats what they wanted. Okay. And let's just say that, you know, we called for witnesses and called for any witnesses that we want because it's my understanding that that even Roberts can't, you know, can be overturned if he doesn't want to allow a witness. We can still do, they can still do that, okay, by a vote. If that happens, then wouldn't it be com- completely exposing, you know, the corruption that has happened from the from the previous politicians like Hillary, like Hunter and, and Joe, so on and so forth? It would keep the the, um, the the Democrat, the ones that are running, like Sanders and so on and so forth, in the, in the House, we could have this thing going all the way to, to Election Day, and it would be free advertising every day for, for President Trump. Yeah, you know, trying to calculate the political winners and losers in all of this is, is sort of treacherous. Uh, my own personal view is based in history. Uh, when President Clinton was impeached and there were 11 felony offenses identified by the independent counsel and cited in the articles of impeachment, he was nevertheless acquitted because most Americans came to believe that, you know, this you know personal conduct involving a White House intern and lying about it, you know, just wasn't the kind of thing that the framers had in mind when they drafted the impeachment clause. And it boomeranged big time against Republicans. I mean, House Speaker Newt Gingrich lost his job because of it. A lot of Republicans in the House lost uh, their their jobs as well because of it. And, you know, if history is a guide, I, I think it's altogether possible that this is only going to extend to the benefit of Republicans and especially the president in November of this year. We'll wait and see. 
Uh, but that's altogether possible. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. Are you grumbling all the time about your cell phone service? Well, if you haven't switched to Pure Talk, you're probably paying too much for your cell service. Their customer service is actually located in the United States. The CEO and chairman is a U.S. veteran. There's no contract involved. That's the really good part. The first month is a risk-free guarantee. All plans include unlimited talk, text, and data. Same great coverage at half the price of the big carriers. It was established in 2005, and Pure Talk Network covers 99% of Americans. So get 50% off your first month when you call now. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword save now. That's pound 250 and say save now. You'll have the option to receive a one-time auto-dialed text from Pure Talk USA. Well, we're following the latest developments uh, in the United States Senate in the impeachment trial of President Trump. Uh, Lots of uh, discussion and debate. We're awaiting a Senate vote on whether they will uh, call new impeachment witnesses. And Chad Pergram, who's our top reporter on Capitol Hill, who knows everything, uh, he tells us that... um, You know, there is a concerted effort by Democrats uh, and maybe at least one Republican to continue to delay this into next week. We're going to be talking to Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, about it coming up in just a couple of minutes. So stick around for that. I'm Greg Jarrett, The Sean Hannity Show. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Greg Jarrett filling in for Sean Hannity. I'm a Fox News legal analyst, uh, former defense attorney, and my new book is called Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. We're going to be talking in just a moment to Rand Paul, a senator uh, who has uh, stepped out uh, and is about to step out and talk to us from the impeachment hearing. I want to play uh, a clip for you of an important question that was posed. To set it up, let me tell you that originally Chief Justice John Roberts rejected an attempt by Senator Paul to name uh, an alleged Ukraine whistleblower. Uh, He didn't use the name whistleblower. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts refused to read the question by Senator Paul. So other senators then followed up uh, by rephrasing it. And here it is in Adam Schiff's response. The question from Senator Johnson and the other senators for both parties. Recent reporting described two NSC staff holdovers from the Obama administration attending an all-hands meeting of NSC staff held about two weeks into the Trump administration and talking loudly enough to be overheard, saying we need to do everything we can to take out the president. On July 26, 2019, the House Intelligence Committee hired one of those individuals, Sean Misko. The report further describes relationships between Misko, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, and an individual alleged as the whistleblower. 
Why did your committee hire Sean Misko the day after the phone call between President Trump and Zelensky, and what role has he played throughout your committee's investigation? First of all, there have been a lot of attacks uh, on my staff. And as I said when this issue came up earlier, uh, I'm appalled at some of the smearing of the professional people that work for the Intelligence Committee. Uh, now this question refers to allegations in a newspaper article which are circulating smears on my staff and ask me to respond to those smears. And I will not dignify those smears on my staff by giving them any credence whatsoever. So Adam Schiff essentially refused to answer the question and deflected. Joining us now is Senator Rand Paul, who had posed the original question about uh, a so-called whistleblower, although he didn't use in his question the term whistleblower. Senator, thank you for stepping outside the Senate chamber to speak with us. What do you make of all of this? You know, I think it's very important that we explore how this impeachment process began. You know, as we started looking into Crossfire Hurricane and the FISA warrants that were that went after President Trump's campaign, we found out that it was done illegitimately with the aid and abettance of uh, President Obama's uh, intelligence community. And then basically the FBI lied 17 times to get it started. What if the same thing happened with the impeachment? We now know of six individuals, Sean Misko from Adam Smith's team, two other people on his team. They worked for the National Security Council. They were friends with the whistleblower or with somebody who people say is a whistleblower. They were also friends with the Vindmans. And so you got six people who are all Democrat partisans, Obama partisans, who were unhappy about President Trump. And is there a possibility that they've been discussing this for years now and that they were just looking for an opportunity to set up a paper trail to begin this impeachment process? That's not what the whistleblower statute was about. I mean, look, Colonel Vindman's boss, General Kellogg, was on the call as well, and he sees no problem with it. There's 400 people listening to the phone call. It's not like they revealed a secret. There were 400 people listening on it, and the vast majority of them did not see anything illegal about the phone call. But one guy who's an Obama partisan, I think, conspired with other Obama partisans to get this thing started. I I think there is some evidence already of that, but probably, uh, you know, we only know maybe 10 or 20 percent of it. Um, Is this all the more reason why this individual, the so-called whistleblower, needs to be questioned? It's clearly not going to happen here in the Senate impeachment trial, but should the U.S. Senate uh, compel this individual to come forward to be questioned? Yes, and I think this person has material evidence also because he worked for Joe Biden. He's probably been to Ukraine. We don't know, but I think has. Was he aware of Hunter Biden? Was he aware of the conflict of interest? And so when he gets into his moral dudgeon about President Trump, where was any kind of sort of moral clarity with regard to Hunter Biden? Did he raise the problem of the conflict of interest, how it was hypocritical of Joe Biden to go to Ukraine and talk about corruption while firing a prosecutor that was investigating the company that was paying Hunter Biden a million dollars? So there's all kinds of questions to be asked. But the bottom line is this. President Trump is correct to be very, very skeptical of the deep state. What is the deep state? The bureaucrats that remain in the administration of both the intelligence community and the State Department, no matter who's president. They're there decade after decade. And if you watch this trial at all, you'll see that they're accusing President Trump of not adhering to the 
interagency foreign policy. Well, the last I heard, the president sets the foreign policy, not a bunch of bureaucrats. But that's one of their big contentions. They're impeaching President Trump because he did not listen to the talking points of Vindman, and he is uh, contradicting the consensus of the so-called interagency process, which is a bunch of bureaucrats. And so this is one of the things I like about President Trump is he didn't come from the swamp. He's above it, and he's willing to, uh, you know, do what he promised as far as foreign policy goes. The day after the whistleblower complaint was made public uh, several months ago, I wrote a column that said, hold on a minute. The whistleblower is not a whistleblower under the whistleblower law. He doesn't qualify. Thereafter, we learned that the Office of Legal Counsel, the Department of Justice, uh, spent 11 pages laying out the same argument, that this guy doesn't qualify as a whistleblower because, one, he's complaining about somebody who isn't a member of the intelligence community, the president, and second of all, he's complaining about activity that is not intelligence activity. It's diplomatic activity, a diplomatic conversation between Presidents Trump and Zelensky. So isn't it true, A, that this guy isn't a whistleblower under the law, and B, he's therefore entitled to no identity protection or anonymity? Yes, and even the statute as it reads doesn't require anonymity for everyone. It requires his bosses not to reveal his name. It requires that he not be punished. Look, you know, there are a lot of different opinions on Edward Snowden, but I think he was a whistleblower. He revealed something that the government was doing was unconstitutional. I've been a big defender of him. But a lot of these so-called Democrats that want to defend the whistleblower statute now want to string him up and want to put him in jail for life. And I think there's a real hypocrisy as with regards to whistleblowers. But the real danger is, is that what this whistleblower did could be done again. The, the, you know, I met with someone today from the State Department who says they are still littered with either never-Trumpers or Obama holdovers who now are going to be emboldened to say, you know what, let's just watch for any kind of document that the president says something or does something that we can get a read on, any kind of phone call. This means all of his phone calls to foreign leaders could be listened to, and they can do the same thing again and again. When they find something they don't like, they can initiate uh, uh, impeachment hearings and realize they didn't only report it, they then populated the entire prosecution team. The three people sitting over there with Adam Schiff all worked at the National Security Council with um, – Vindman and with the uh, people that began the process. So it's all very incestuous and populated by people who were Obama partisans. Do you suspect that Adam Schiff and or his staff coordinated and colluded, if you will, with this faux whistleblower to invent a pretext to impeach the president by misusing the whistleblower statute and filing a complaint that doesn't actually qualify under the law? Without a doubt, and I think they'll do it again. And this is, a, this is a real problem as we move forward. If the entire apparatus of the State Department, our intelligence communities, can be used in this fashion, that there's a danger uh, to President Trump ongoing, as well as other presidents, that the the bureaucratic deep state will react in a way and use these statutes in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that they were never intended to be used. Uh, Adam Schiff said during the Senate trial, the Q&A 
period that he doesn't know the identity of the whistleblower. I, frankly, I find that utterly laughable. What do you think? Well, here, this is the real irony, and I think you've hit on it on the head. I ask a question about two people, Sean Misko, who works for Adam Schiff, and a guy named Eric Chiramella, who is friends with Sean Misko. I never identified either one of them or anyone as a whistleblower. I do not know who the whistleblower is. If Adam Schiff doesn't know, how does the Chief Justice know one of those two people is a whistleblower? I don't know that either one of them are, so how can they ban language and ban questions regarding somebody that everybody professes not to know who the person is? So, you know, it's a bizarre situation that we're going to render finer judgment on a question that a senator can ask when I didn't identify anybody as a whistleblower, I made no accusations. I just went on published reports that these two individuals were overheard talking about bringing the president down years before this process began. And if they fraudulently then went and used the whistleblower statute to get this thing started, maybe somebody ought to know. Maybe somebody ought to question, you know, who, who, who among these people have been talking? How long have you known the person? And have they colluded to try to bring the president down? Will any Senate committee investigate the so-called whistleblower? There are rumblings of it. And so I hear people in the, you know, we're in the cloakroom a million hours. We've been, we've heard a hundred hours of both sides by now. And I do hear some in the cloakroom saying, yes, we're going to investigate. We'll do this later on. I never have as much confidence that stuff like that will happen. Maybe uh, there are some people in charge of some committee saying they will investigate, but they need to be pushed, I think, from the outside and from the public to say, Absolutely. We can't let this happen, this abuse of government. This is also why FISA's got to be reformed. We can't let them do this again. I plan on having an amendment. I'm hoping I can get it bipartisan that says that the FISA process, the secret court that's supposed to be used for foreigners, to spy on foreigners, is never used again on a political campaign. I don't care if you think uh, the Democrats are in cahoot with the Russians or the Ukrainians. Go to a real judge with an adversarial process where everybody gets a lawyer. You can do it in private. The judges can meet in private. Let's go to a real federal court, not a secret court that is a rubber stamp. It took FISA two years after Devin Nunes telling them what was going on. They would never admit it. They finally have admitted it, and the person they have appointed to investigate themselves is an apologist for the FISA court. It's not somebody that will really try very hard. So I don't think FISA courts or secret courts should ever be used to investigate a political campaign of any party. Is there an appetite among fellow senators to get rid? I mean, the FISA, I think part of it comes up for renewal in another month from now. Is there an appetite there to do, as I've written in columns, it's time to get rid of the FISA court? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I've talked to the president a lot about this. I think the president's definitely for reforms. My fear is what will come up is some fake reforms. So they'll go partway, but they won't fix the whole thing, and then you have to read the small print because sometimes things look like a reform up here, and in the small print they can make it worse or the status quo lives on. The bottom line is there are a lot of people who used to support the FISA court have now seen how it's been abused, and my point is this. I don't really care so much. There are not constitutional rights if you live in Libya for us to uh, uh, eavesdrop on your phone conversation. I'm fine with that. But the thing is, if you are an American talking to someone overseas, if you're an American that gets caught up in these vast databases, we shouldn't let someone like Peter Strzok type your name in because you happen to be a Republican or a Trump supporter, type your name in and research your background and listen to your conversations. You should always have to get a warrant from a real court, a public Article Three court, 
if you want to do anything about searching an American's records. And none of the stuff that's obtained through the surveillance courts, which do not adhere to a constitutional standard, should ever be used against an American in any court. And so that those are things that are reforms that we really could have. And uh, whether we get rid of the FISA court or not, you know, I'd be for it. I don't know if there are the votes for it. But at the very least, Americans should be protected, and nothing that is gathered without a real warrant from a real court should ever be used against an American. All right. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, thank you very much for stepping outside the Senate chamber to talk with us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. All right. We're going to pause, take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll have more of your telephone calls coming up on The Sean Hannity Show. I'm Greg Jarrett. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Greg Jarrett. The latest trend in skincare is instant results. Introducing the brand new Genucel RH from Chamonix. Here's Susan from Tom's River, New Jersey. The Genucel RH is a game changer. Bags under my eyes are history. It feels so soft and luxurious. I even use it for redness on my left cheek and my laugh lines. Thank you, Chamonix Home Run. For a limited time, it's free when you order Genucel jawline treatment and for results in 12 hours or less. The Genucel immediate effects is also free with your order. Call 800-SKIN-509, that's 800-SKIN-509, or simply go to Genucel.com, that's Genucel.com. Order the jawline treatment now and get the new Genucel RH and the Genucel immediate effects absolutely free. Go or uh, go online or call now, 800-SKIN-509 or Genucel.com. That's Genucel.com. We're keeping an eye on what's happening in the Senate chamber on Capitol Hill. We're awaiting a Senate vote on impeachment witnesses. Uh, There has been some debate, and at some point today, maybe this evening, tonight, uh, there will be a vote. In the latest count, according to our own Chad Pergram, On Capitol Hill, Fox News correspondent, um, who knows all things Congress, there are 51 votes uh, against any new witnesses. So we'll wait and see. But there is a movement afoot uh, by Democrats to extend this whole thing well into mid-next week. We'll be right back with more of The Sean Hannity Show. And we're back with the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Greg Jarrett of Fox News Channel, filling in for Sean Hannity. My Twitter handle is at Greg Jarrett. My website is thegregjarrett.com. And be sure to pick up my new book, Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. Uh, We want to get to your phone calls. Lots of people have been standing by. They've been waiting as we keep an eye on what's happening in the Senate impeachment trial, Rick joins us from Florida, the the home state this year of the Super Bowl. Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm fine, sir. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. My question is, and hopefully in January when we take the gavel back from Nancy Pelosi, January of next year, and they impeach <laughs> Shift, being he's an elected federal official. No. You can't impeach a uh, a sitting member of Congress. Uh, I wish it were otherwise, uh, but the law does not allow that. Um, Impeachment applies to the president, the vice president, and any civil officer. Uh, Those, for example, appointed by the president, federal judges appointed by the president, 
Uh, members of Congress are not subject to impeachment uh, because there's no legal or constitutional provision for that. They can, however, be expelled for a wide variety of misconduct, violation of House rules, commission of crimes, uh, and actually expulsion is a simpler process than impeachment uh, because you're only talking about the vote uh, by one body, not two, not the House and the Senate. So, for example, Schiff could be expelled uh, by the House. Uh, not likely to happen this year because Democrats control the House. Uh, but even if it flips in January of next year, I mean, you'd have to have pretty solid grounds to expel a member of Congress, uh, which doesn't mean that uh, people in his district in California, Southern California, shouldn't try to vote him out of office come November. Let's go to our next caller, Robbie of North Carolina. Hey, Robbie. Hey, thanks, Greg, for taking the call. I uh, appreciate your show bringing uh, sanity to insanity. Uh, it's been uh, been quite painful listening to the impeachment process so far from the Democrats. I've got one comment I wanted to bring to your attention, and hopefully you can give some legal, if there's any legal course here, of there's four Democratic presidential candidates that are sitting on the Senate floor <laughs> listening to the impeachment of Donald Trump. And you know, obvious, I'm thinking to myself, they have an obvious conflict of interest, do they not? I mean, yeah, know, they want to replace the person that they're voting to impeach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's no way that they're going to be impartial yeah. right, in their in their decision there. And well, should their vote even count towards towards the vote to impeach them? Yeah, I mean, look, um, the, the answer is... Everybody in the Senate has some sort of a bias or conflict of interest, um, but it's especially right. acute, as you point out, with uh, people like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, uh, Amy Klobuchar. Um, but, uh, you know, as the framers envisioned it, um, impeachment is a political process. So invariably you have mm -hmm. politicians who have either a conflict of interest or a severe bias uh, but, you know, the framers weighed whether uh, they should have the uh, U.S. Supreme Court uh, sit in judgment as the jury in an impeachment trial. And if you read Federalist 65 in particular, Alexander Hamilton explains why it would be better uh, to have it uh, in the United States Senate as a political body rather than the Supreme Court. But that's that's the short answer. It doesn't disqualify them from sitting in judgment. Let's And, Robbie, thanks for the phone call. Chuck joins us now from, again, my home state of California. Hey, Chuck, how are you? Where, where are you? Southern, Northern California? Where are you? I'm in Northern California. Uh, I hope I don't lose you. I've been on the line there for a little bit, and I'm on the road, so I'm kind of coming into a choppy spot here. Okay. But anyway... Yeah, I'm in the northern part of the state. Um, hey, man, I love you. You're a warrior. I appreciate all that you do. And Thank you. Uh, yeah, you're you're awesome, man. But um, yeah, I my my question is, and this is I'm sure academic for a lot of folks, but whoa, the most reasonable people. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. You're breaking up. Is 
as I understand it, you know, what you're asking, isn't this just presidential harassment of Donald Trump, uh, congressional harassment of Donald Trump? Um, And the answer is sure. I mean, and everybody knows it. Uh, And and in fact, uh, one of the counsel on the defense team said said as much. We know why you're doing this. You hate Donald Trump. You hate his policies. You always have. You've been trying to impeach him since the moment he was uh, voted into office, not to mention sworn into office. Articles of impeachment have been introduced in the House repeatedly since just after the president uh, was uh, inaugurated. And, you know, just Google you know, Trump impeachment, and and you'll see all of the articles of impeachment that have been introduced. You know, Al Green has been at the forefront of so many of them. And and everything the president does to these people is an impeachable offense. Um, and so, you know, this is just the latest incarnation of the impeachment witch hunt, as the president calls it, the impeachment hoax. And I agree. These articles of of impeachment have no legal grounding in the Constitution. They are not what uh, the president had intended. And what am I looking? What's that? The uh, Senate has enough votes votes and they just voted. So enough votes to defeat the motion to call witnesses. Uh, And so there you have it. There will be no new witnesses. The vote turned out to be 51 no new witnesses. I imagine uh, nearly all Republicans, 49 yes. We do know that Susan Collins had stated that she wanted uh, one or more additional witnesses. Mitt Romney wanted it. In the end, Susan Murkowski, as well as Lamar Alexander, who were on the fence, said, no, we've heard enough. No more uh, new witnesses. So there you have the vote just completed a moment ago, 51 to 49 uh, against compelling uh, witnesses and documents. So the next the next step that takes place is a discussion and a debate over how to end this. Should there be some deliberations the extent to which there should be closing arguments. Uh, And Politico is reporting that there is a movement afoot uh, among some, including Lisa Murkowski, uh, to wait until mid-next week. She apparently wants several days of closed-door deliberations. Now, there were deliberations in the 1999 impeachment case of President Bill Clinton. Uh, So Murkowski is reportedly seizing on that and saying, oh, let's wait. We need a few more days. I would think that most senators um, have already been deliberating in their own minds as they have been watching, you know, this impeachment trial unfold agonizingly uh, over the course of two weeks. You know, they've been listening patiently to all of the opening arguments, the presentation of the evidence of more than a dozen witnesses, video clips played, uh, thousands of pages of documents introduced and accepted into evidence that they've been examining. 
So I'm not sure that that there's a tremendous appetite in the U.S. Senate for, oh, well, let's let's think about it for a few more days. Let's deliberate behind closed doors over the. I think most senators know how they're going to vote. They're not going to convict the president. You need a supermajority of two thirds. They have nowhere near that. Uh, So this effort by Chuck Schumer principally to extend this, to delay it, uh, is an effort to try to just further damage President Donald Trump and to embarrass him because on Tuesday he is supposed to appear before uh, Congress to deliver his State of the Union address. And, you know, Chucky Schumer would love nothing more than to hold over the president's head uh, the specter of an impeachment conviction, even though that appears to be largely impossible. So we'll keep you posted on what's going up, what's going on. And yeah, Chuck Schumer, you know, the old the old joke on Capitol Hill among correspondents there is the most dangerous place uh, to be is between Chuck Schumer and a camera. Uh, you know, the guy, he'd walk a mile for a camera. Generally, he runs to the camera. Um, and, and, you know, Adam Schiff is of the same ilk. Let's go to our next caller, Jim in Florida. Hey, Jim, how are you? Hey, Mr. Chair, thank you for being a true journalist. Your book is awesome. Thank you. But I wanted to say I would be surprised if the Democrats tried to use grounds of impeachment of the fact that he was acquitted as a form of a, another grounds for impeaching. But my question to you is, legally, since the Democratic Party is a corporation of some sort, can they be held, the Democratic National Committee be held accountable legally from a you know, liability point of view for the fact that they funded this dossier? I mean, as a, as a sure. party, aren't they legally just an incorporation? Can't they be sued or held accountable? Yes. I mean, they, they are an entity. I think they're a nonprofit, but nevertheless, individuals and any kind of entity – can be sued. And in fact, the DNC uh, yesterday, the day before yesterday, was sued by Carter Page, uh, alleging defamation, false light, tortious interference with economic opportunity. Um, And believe me, this is just the opening salvo. This is the beginning of a number of lawsuits that Carter Page will be filing. And he should sue, in addition to the DNC, and Perkins Coie, the law firm for the DNC and, the, and Hillary Clinton's campaign, he should also sue the other people he identifies in his uh, civil lawsuit for uh, money damages. And, and I read through the 30, 23 pages of the complaint, and it identifies Glenn Simpson, Fusion GPS, Christopher Steele, uh, people at the FBI, um, and so, yeah, I think this is just the first of many to come. Uh, the biggest lawsuit would probably be against the FBI and the Department of Justice, essentially the federal government, uh, for the conduct of these rogue operators like James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, uh, and, you know, a whole host of people, Bruce Orr at the Department of Justice, Uh, Anybody who signed off on those four FISA warrants to spy on Carter Page, they obtained their warrants illegally, according to the Department of Justice. They notified the FISA court that these were illegal warrants. They had no probable cause. They lied to the judges. They deceived the court. 
This was a fraud on the court. All of that is actionable in a court of law. Uh, And, you know, before this is all finished, Carter Page is going to be one rich guy, and he deserves every single dollar of it because these people that I just named ruined his life, his good name, and his reputation. We're going to pause, take a quick break. I'll be back in just a moment. I'm Greg Jarrett filling in for Sean Hannity on The Sean Hannity Show. As we wrap it up, I'm Greg Jarrett filling in for Sean Hannity. I'm a Fox News legal analyst, and I hope you'll uh, get my book, Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. Because, frankly, I think you're going to be shocked about what you read. Uh, The lying and spying that took place to bring down Donald Trump. Uh, You know, the attempted coup by Rod Rosenstein and how he then once caught lied to President Trump aboard Air Force One. Uh, You know, the Mueller report and in particular, you know, these group of, of partisan lawyers that Mueller assembled who tried to smear Donald Trump with the hope that the House would impeach the president. And, of course, the role of the media and how they drove the narrative that Trump had colluded with Russia. It was all a witch hunt. I'm Greg Jarrett. Again, thanks for listening. Check out my podcast, uh, The Greg Jarrett Impeachment Witch Hunt. 